0: Welcome to P3 Radio.
1: The monkey only dances as good as the guy grinding the organ's handle. Demolition, we're coming for you, baby! <laughs> and uh, if you're gonna call me back tomorrow, whatever <laughs> I you better believe I took my turn a t- little. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what? Cool story, bro. P G
0: Three Radio. Nope. Here's your host, Josh Friends. Ladies and gentlemen, next up we have crying little blind children. Richard Relicent.
2: I don't know, is this making any sense to anybody out there?
1: It's showtime! It's showtime! It's showtime!
2: Hello everyone and welcome once again to another episode of P3 Radio. I'm Richard Melliken joined by my co-host and best friend, Josh Bradley. Say hey, Josh.
0: How's it going, everybody? And Richard, today we are joined by a very special guest.
2: Yeah, a man that has many personalities, some might say.
0: Several. At least the ones we've seen.
2: Yeah, well, we're not talking about like a schizophrenic guy from down the road. We're talking about Mr. Personality Derek King.
0: He was super awesome, super cool guy, and I hope we have him back.
2: Well, you know, I say not a schizophrenic guy. I haven't talked to Derek really before this in a while, and no, Derek's a great guy. We were happy to have him on, and his gimmick of Mr. Personality when we started watching him in Memphis Wrestling. As a lower guy, and then he built himself up to be one of the main guys in in the whole area.
0: And whenever I seen him on WWE TV, it was kind of like seeing one of the hometown guys make it.
2: Yeah, we're going to have that interview with Derek coming up right after this commercial break from Wine of the Month Club. When you go shopping for wine, do you look at the labels? Do you stare at the price and wonder if the wine is worth the expensive tag? Well, stop it, because Wine of the Month Club has you covered. Every month, Wine of the Month Club is going to send you two bottles of high-quality wine right to your front door.
0: And what better way to say I'm thinking of you than a subscription to the original Wine of the Month Club for a friend or a sweetheart. Each month they'll be reminded of your thoughtfulness and will receive the monthly wine letter and newsletter binder. Recipes, wine knowledge, and great wine, and the opportunity To get more of their favorites is at hand. Give with confidence and joy, knowing that you're a part of the original wine of the month
2: by the way there are no dues no fees no hidden charges Cancel anytime with no obligation just pay no more than 23.96 plus shipping for two great bottles of wine go there now sign up by visiting our link tinyurl.com slash p3 wine that's tinyurl.com slash p3 wine the wine of the month club the original wine club since 1972 Welcome back to more P3 Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now on the P3 Hotline, we have none other than Mr. Personality himself, Derek King. Derek, thank you for being a part of P3 Radio today.
1: I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here.
2: I I almost did the Corey Macklin, Mr. Personality. Mr. Personality. King.
1: (laughs) I I I I promise you. I will live by Mr. Personality until the day I die, I'm sure, because everybody knows that.
2: Was that something you come up with, or did Corey or King or somebody else come up with that?
1: The whole gimmick started because I work for David Milliken, who makes the belts for WWE in, in uh, MMA and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I worked for him in AWA. Uh, I owe him <laughs> half my career. But I, uh, I uh, worked for him, and so I would do this thing where I would come out as a different wrestler. Every week, I did Jamie Dundee, I did Jerry Lawler, I did Sean Michaels. everybody I did on Memphis TV, I did right. before I did on Memphis TV. And so when Randy Hills came and uh, was trying to uh, you know, find talent for his show, they picked me and then they were trying to figure, he does these gimmicks, because Bill Dundee saw me do the gimmicks beforehand. And uh, and I worked with Bill on some shows, and where I did, uh, I wrestled PG-13, sometimes we did a show in Jones, I mean in Jackson, and I did PG 13. So Bill was like, oh, you did Jamie, blah, blah, whatever. So when it came time to do uh, Memphis Wrestling or Power Pro Wrestling, they were trying to find a gimmick. So I was Mr. Personalities, Mr. Personality. I was 15 different personalities names. We were trying to figure out my name to be. So really the gimmick started before I got to Power Pro, but they wanted that. They kind of wanted it to continue when I got into Power Pro. Right.
2: So what was your first memory? When you were a kid, I'm sure you were a fan like all of us. What was your first pro yes. wrestling memory that really watching, just made you be a fan? Yeah,
1: watching the Assassins on television um, when Andy Kaufman got burned by Jerry right. Lawler. That was the, I can I can vividly remember that to this day. I mean, because we watch Channel Five Wrestling religiously in our in our household, so right. that was the first thing I remember. Going, okay, these are mass wrestlers. They're called the Assassins. And knowing what was going on. I and mean, like, knowing, okay, this is what I watch every week. And Jerry Lawler, obviously. Right.
0: <laughs> Who would you say, like, are some of your favorites growing up?
1: Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee, uh, Austin Idol, Jeff Jarrett. Um, obviously, all these guys are baby faces. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I grew up in the Memphis Territory, so I was always big on, you know, those guys, the, the top guys that were, you know, I was a big Lance Russell Dave Brown fan. I didn't think there would be another announced team ever. <laughs> um I did because I really wasn't a big WWE fan. I watched NWA, I watched WWE, but I wasn't. uh, I was hooked on Memphis wrestling for sure because I went every Monday night. Right. You know, and it was a big. It was like a culture. It was like it wasn't like uh, you just watch wrestling because it was on one week. It was this is what you did. This is what you had to do. It's you know, kind of like having,
0: having a home team or something. That's the way I feel Right,
1: about it, it. exactly, because I don't watch football, basketball. I don't watch any of the sports thing. But, I mean, if there was a thing for, like, having a home team of, of wrestling, then Memphis was definitely it for me.
2: I heard that you were, like, from an old classmate, I had heard that you were a big wrestling fan growing up, and at Halloween you used to dress up and go to school as your favorite wrestler. Do you remember who that was, and do you remember doing that at all? And what would you be wearing?
1: Well, first of all, when I find out who my classmate is, I'm gonna beat up. Uh, <laughs> second of all, uh, I, I obviously went, and it was not just Halloween, it was actually uh, we did a your favorite person or like a career thing. So of course I went as Jer- Jerry. Jerry Lawler is my favorite wrestler. If I have to tell it to anybody else who don't know by now. Right. Hence my mm-hmm. wrestling last name is King. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went as Jerry Lawler. I actually we actually had a wrestling show at our school. So I had tights and all that kind of stuff, and we rented the ring from Buddy Wayne, and we built the ring the first year. Then we rented the ring from Buddy Wayne. But anyway, uh, for those occasions, I would uh, a lady made me a crown, and I would wear the crown, cape, and um, tights, and the tars and the strap like Lawler, and all that kind of stuff. I, right. My goal was to be Jerry Lawler. <laughs>
2: You mentioned Buddy Wayne. We just had Pete Gas on, and we read his book, mm-hmm. and he's he's plugging a book, and he said when he first got to Memphis, they were training at Buddy Wayne's facility, and there were rats everywhere. It was like a ring set up outside. Rats were everywhere, right. dead on the ring, on the ground, and said Regal called and said, no, this isn't acceptable. We've got to have a better training facility. Was it that ring that you were renting with the rats and everything in it?
1: Well, I thought most rats never mind. That's a whole different story. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I'm not hanging into that. Um, the the, uh, the ring that uh, we rented from Buddy was actually the ring that used at the Coliseum on Monday nights and nice. stuff like that. So we actually rented the – actually, it was the TV ring that used on, on Channel 5. So we rented that ring. My buddies and I all pitched in to rent the ring the first time. After we had built our first ring the first year, then we go, let's just rent the ring because we went to TV we – up the in when we try to find out, you know, inquire about how to get this done, because uh, January 19th was our coming home clash, so we had this big uh, wrestling event in front of our old school. I, was, I went to a Catholic school, so they paid a dollar to get out of uniform to come watch us wrestle, And but it was a ring from, uh, to answer your question, it was a ring from, uh, from uh, Channel 5.
2: You hear all these stories about backyard wrestling back in the day. You guys were untrained wrestlers that were renting rings and setting them up at your school and putting on shows. That's a that's a different level than backyard wrestler, right?
1: Right. Well, well that is true. But I did backyard wrestling at my house all the time. We we made belts with cardboard and all that kind yep. of stuff. We <laughs> I remember getting the dishes from my mom's uh, playset, trying to make the you know the the mid ring, the middle ring of all these these title belts. Colored them in, and we would defend the titles from our, from my street to the other, the street behind us. So it was, I was like, okay, well, you're the champion over here. Now you got to go over here and defend the title. But we we backyard wrestle, but when you when we did it at school, it was on a whole different level because at 16, I had already broken to the. It, I had started training, so right. I kind of knew how to take the bumps. So I uh, we would rent the ring, and obviously, I, you know, my friends were like, okay, this safe fall. This is what we're doing. So you know, we all got in there and couldn't wait to do it it hurt like it hurt like something (laughs) i can remember that now Now, but it uh did you now you said you you but you could have told us that then
2: yeah did now you said you defended it against other people on other blocks now were these shoot fights or were these like Working, you know, I'll have the belt this week. Oh, I,
1: hey, I'm an entertainer, absolutely predetermined.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you had a booker. Absolutely predetermined. Yeah, me and, yeah, Richard, we had a we, me
0: and Richard, we had a shoot belt, so yeah. we weren't let in on
2: the joke. I, you know, I was under the impression wrestling was real until we were having a ladder match one day where we just we hung the belt from a rope on the tree. And we just had—we didn't have a ladder. We had a chair, and within three seconds, Josh pushed me down, jumped up on the chair, and pulled the belt down with no drama <laughs> at all. So I was like, "Okay, right, there might be something—something re- something yeah, to this relationship." Yeah, Racer and
1: Sean are full of shit because <laughs> you, you realize it has to be drama to draw to climbing up the ladder, blah blah. blah. You right. got to have something to go into that. We—I think we kind of already knew that. You know, we were I, like, I could punch and kick and all that kind of stuff before I even got into the business. Right. And this is reason why some people say, you know, I am not bragging on myself, but you know, like a natural at knowing how to do this, because I already knew how to do how to fall or how to, you know, right. we watched it every Saturday and just emulated what we saw on TV. And then, you know, we obviously didn't want to get hurt because we realized those guys are, not, they're doing this every week, <laughs> and not right. uh, not just once a year. So, right, you know, you you start to figure out how how to uh, make it work.
2: Josh went away one summer and he came back and he was like, Look, I got some bad news for you. Uh, this is all predetermined. <laughs> you you didn't want to accept I the know, news. He's like, You're like, get- Well,
0: I remember vividly you said, Well, I mean, if uh, Shawn Michaels or somebody like that would tell me, <laughs> then that's one thing. But I mean, I, I just can't take your word for it.
1: I wasn't, just so, not to cut you off, I wasn't no. too concerned that it was predetermined. I was uh, more or less thinking to myself, Well, you know, there has to be a story to it, right? Otherwise, there would not be anything. Whenever
0: we decided, you know, that we both agreed that yeah, it's a work, all that. We kind of changed as far as who we liked and all that. It went yeah. from who we thought was the best as far as what we seen on TV to who we thought was the best, as in their work ethic, right? And you know, just the the overall craft and stuff like that.
1: Right, and I get that. And this is where I, this is where I I'd say don't like. It smart marks about it or whatever. And not that I don't like it. It's just like, it's still entertainment. You got to see who entertains. I get that. We're looking at work rate and all that kind of stuff, but some of the best wrestlers are not the greatest wrestlers. And, you know, because we're selling right. sports entertainment, not selling uh wrestling per se. We're, I mean, it is wrestling, but you give us, and it's not like, Oh, well, this guy had a five-star match. Well, Who decides it was a five-star match? If, Dave this is the, uh, this is, well, <laughs> I just don't under, I, I just think that we're losing sight of like, okay, well, the you know, let's just say the honky tonk man or somebody right. or, or Jerry Lawler for this instance. I mean, he's a great worker, but I mean, it's catchers catch can wrestler or spot guy. Is that a five-star match or not? Right. I mean, but his matches are legendary because he's worked everybody and had the best matches with some of the greatest wrestlers ever.
2: It's kind of like what Mick Foley said in his book where he was talking about, well, it's like a circus. You might not like the clowns, but you might like the bearded lady, or you might like the guy getting shot out of the rocket. What works for me might not work for you. So that's what's great about uh, sports entertainment. You, You don't have that shoot fight. It's not everybody's a carbon copy of themselves. Everybody's a different character, which makes it great.
1: Here's what everybody doesn't realize. It's been sports entertainment forever. It's right, been right. sports entertainment since day one. Right. We just never told you. They just never told us. And now everybody's well. You know that's when people knock Vince. Vince is a billionaire off of sports entertainment, off the stuff that everybody else does. You can't knock his formula. It works. And you can't go. Okay, let me write this. You know, like people go, why don't they turn Roman Reigns heel? Why would they? Right. Why does it matter? If, if you're not writing the show. If the show's not, okay, if they turned him heel, would you still boo him? You're already booing him. So if they turn him heel, are you going to boo him again or are you going to cheer him? Right. I mean, what do you, you, you can watch a soap opera. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite shows is Scandal. I can't go and go, okay, I want Olivia Pope to do this.
2: Right. Because my
1: right. job is to be entertained about what she does or go, why they do that? What's she doing? I'm into the character, why the character did right. do this. But everybody wants to, you know, arm not uh, chair quarterback or, you know, they want to be able to tell how the show works, then run your own show. Because if you made everybody happy all the time, then what are they come back to
2: see? And to kind of peek behind a wall I know nothing about, Fifty Shades of Grey was a fan fiction of Twilight. So, like you said, if you don't like it, write your own story. And if people like it, they'll buy it. Just like Fifty Shades of Grey, right?
1: Right, same. but here's the, the same difference. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> We've given everybody a voice. And now having everybody have a voice, now they all have opinions. They've already had those opinions. Now they can, now everybody can say it. But most of those don't matter. Because some people just want to be argumentative just for argument of sake. Right.
2: It's kind of like what Bill said when we talked to him last month. He said... Everybody that has a pair of wrestling boots thinks that they can be the booker. It's a long, right, but same nobody legs. really
1: wants that. Nobody, no. uh, nobody really wants that job. By the way, no, 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 no. Because once you get it, and I mean, you you've seen it. You know, once these guys get that job, booking a show is uh, not that easy, right? Because you have to deal with talent. You have to deal with what's drawn, what's not drawn. You have to do. There's so many other things you have to deal with. How can it's not an easy job? But everybody can sit back and go, well, you know what? They should have done this. They should have really? done that. Well, don't you think – I love Jerry Jerry's comment. He goes – he once told the guys, he goes, you guys have been thinking about this for one day. I've thought about it for the last two weeks. So how can you come up with something to do in one day? And I'm I'm the guy who's writing it, and it took me two weeks to come up with it. Not to mention, it's my show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. I'm the one that's going to go belly up if this thing goes bankrupt.
1: Right. Because your money's not a line. My money's on
0: Right. How long would you say that you trained before you had your first match?
1: Six weeks. I'm not gonna lie to you. Six to eight weeks. Wow. Wow.
0: I bet you're nervous. And my
1: school, my school, my school chartered a bus to come uh, see my first match in Dixie, Arkansas. In a short little uh, story here, I trained in Dixie, Arkansas. I now live seven miles from where I trained at, and when I when I grew up. So I mean, when I started training, so. Full circle. I, I can live. I live down the street from where um, I used to train. That's awesome. But I uh, yeah. used to drive three and a half hours to get there on Sundays.
2: <laughs> now, but uh, your school chartered what? a bus. Did they charge them all a dollar to get out of uniform that day too? Or no, 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 no. It was just. Uh, <laughs> should have.
1: Yeah. What really happened? What happened was uh, it was my first match. So they, I don't even know how it's all happened, but they got a bus together and came to see my first match. It That's was awesome. crazy, which was awesome. But you know. That's got to be my true support to me though. for sure.
2: And seeing people you, you're going to see on Monday, that's got to be nerve wracking.
1: Well, this is the, the truth. I never thought of it that way. Because I, I did plays and stuff in school. And so I never right. worried about, I mean, I, not just, I mean, not nervous, but when the red light's on, so to speak, I'm ready to let's just do what we have to do. In the dressing room, I'm probably a different person than, than my music plays, and it's a whole <laughs> nother world.
2: <laughs> and there's sometimes that the my music I mean, plays twice, you know?
1: Well, you know, some, I'm trying to work on the third plane of the music. It's a good song.
2: <laughs> I was like, that's going again, Derek. Should we go out now or? No, no, you're good. <laughs> My are halfway
1: high. laced up. Everybody gets mad at me. Don't he gets super high. And goes, damn it, oh, Derek. Your music's already played.
2: Come yeah. on, brother. You gotta hurry up. The Bar marquee says wrestling, brother. It doesn't say waiting on Derek King's music, brother. <laughs> he, he would tell him sometimes, just cut it off anyway, I go. Do not cut my music. Off. Cut it off, I minute to go out. Then I am on my last I, islet with lacing up this boot. Do not turn that music if, if, if,
1: if I don't have if I don't have music, I don't have a match because my music is my match. <laughs> well, you know, when
2: we were sixteen, me and Josh went down to or up to Louisville, Kentucky. To see the OVW, I think it was called Super Summer Showdown.
0: No, it was uh, mm-hmm. Rock and Rumble. Rock and Rumble, at the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Gardens,
2: and you and your teammate at the time, Jason Lee, Jason, Jason Lee, Jason Lee, and with Rip Rogers, were wrestling the Fabulous Ones. Yep. Uh, with Jackie Fargo, and I remember looking at Josh, and I go, you know, Derek King. You know, we've seen him before. We've watched him in Memphis. We've watched him on Memphis TV. We, I know he's good. But I didn't know that Derek was that good. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I have never watched someone give themselves an atomic drop before.
1: (laughs) <laughs> that's a job to do yeah. that's, that's what we get paid to do Yeah, gotta, I mean, It's Jackie Fargo, you better do it yourself Yeah, I mean,
2: Jackie was all of like Probably 70 years old at the time and You're when gonna he,
0: take it, Pally.
2: <laughs> when he picked you up, I was like <laughs> I don't know how he's doing it Derek's doing some David Blaine levitation Type stuff right now Because there's no way that Jackie's holding him up Right there
1: Here's the thing when you, I always look at it this way You're a performer, your job is to perform I'm working with Jackie Fargo and the fabulous ones who are the biggest stars in Memphis, you know, the biggest, by far, Jackie Fargo is one of the biggest stars in Memphis wrestling history. Mm -hmm. The fabs are one of the biggest tactics in Memphis wrestling history. You only get one chance at this. You have to do everything you can to make it what it is. And that's, that's the job. It's not, you know, and you know this, I have a huge ego. (laughs) A <laughs> huge <laughs> ego. But my job is to make sure everybody in that ring has can lead with my ego also and to make sure that they go, well, that's what we came to see. And, you know, people can knock it or whatever and, and say what they want to say, but, I mean, when it comes to wrestling, I, that's all I want to do.
0: Whose idea was it to pair you with Jason Lee and Rip Rogers?
1: Jim Cornette. He's the one who told me to dye my hair blonde. He's the one who uh, he's the one who gave the tag team. He's the Every bit of that was Jim Cornette. Do
0: you have any good uh, Rip Rogers stories that you've been a part of or
1: you've just heard about? I will tell you that Rip Rogers probably thumped me in the ass more times than anybody on television did me. (laughs) (laughs) And I could not. The the old boogie-woogie-woogie. No, not Rip. Not Rip. (laughs) I couldn't react to it on TV, but I will tell you that if he – One night we were wrestling, it was uh, Jason and I wrestling Randy Orton and somebody. I can't remember who the other uh, opponent was. (laughs) You remember Randy uh, Orton, but not the other guy. Well, I do remember, well, he's Randy Orton. You wouldn't (laughs) forget his name. And So there you go. There's your your third name drop of of conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're wrestling, and then we missed a spot or something, or something Rip called, and we didn't do it. Rip just says, all right, do it yourselves, and left us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I go. Uh, he's in the finish. What are we doing? And uh, but you had to live and learn. I mean, you had to. You had to learn. We're supposed to be listening, and we're doing you know whatever the hell we want to do. You
2: know, I was in the back at that OVW show. Me and Josh were taken to an area where just I guess wrestlers' families were. Mick Foley. We're, had we were Dewey. sitting right.
0: with Rip's wife and right. his kid. And Mick
2: had Dewey there yeah. at the time, yeah. and you. And a guy who was working a new gimmick at the time called Slash, uh, who was Wolfie D. Yes, he come. Wolfie y- D. Y- y'all both come up to us and just start talking to us. I know there's no memory of this. And as we're watching, wow. there is I get I get both of your autographs. 16 year old me, so somewhere there's a notebook with your autograph and uh, Wolfie. There's been a lot his, of
1: vodka since that time. <laughs> well, Wolf, Wolfie signs
2: his autograph as Slash, and you give him some some crap about it. You're like. Is that how you're going to sign it? And he's like, well, that's the first time I've ever done it. So somewhere, I have Wolfie D's first ever autograph as Slash, and it came at that OVW show. But I remember this for this reason. At the time, there was a match going on, and it was just Chop City. Just pop, 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 pop. And you stop everything you're doing, stop talking to me, and you look at the ring, and you turn back and you go, oh my God, OVW sounds like it's nothing but Chops. Did you ever take? Right. <laughs> did you ever take? Right. So, so knowing that, knowing how chop happy he was and how hard his chops was, did you ever take a chop from Nightmare Danny Davis?
1: I have never taken a chop from Nightmare Danny Davis, and I have uh, often heard the stories about his chops. Never taken his chops. Uh, I'm from Memphis, so we in Memphis don't chop. Right. Uh, another thing, uh, uh, another thing about OVW—they did left-handed clotheslines. Really? And they all did left-handed clotheslines, and I was like, "What the hell are we doing?" And, you know, because they hurt a lot worse because you don't you don't know the strength in your left arm <laughs> right. until you take one. Well, and, um, did anyone ever
0: like really explain why that is? I mean, why they
1: did left? No, because everybody lines. there they were taught that everything to left side, so they did left-handed clotheslines. That's how they taught it. Back.
0: The way I was explained to it was most people walking around are right-handed. So, pretty much, right. if, if you go with the left hand, you're less likely to take somebody's head off as you would with your right arm.
1: I'm going to tell you right now, if I threw um, a left-handed clothes onto you, you're probably going to be hurt tomorrow. Because <laughs> of the I can throw left jabs, I can throw left punches, but if I threw a left-handed clothes onto you, it's not going to feel good.
2: Yeah, because you don't <laughs> want it to look bad, and, you know, you are le- if you're right-handed, you don't know what kind of strength you have in your left hand.
1: Right, It's and I remember going, because sometimes you kind of have to feed to where, like if you're feeding for clothes on and those guys throwing left-handed clothes on, you have to, you know, adjust yourself as you go. Right. So that's what, you know, and that's kind of what we did. I, it's, there I just adjusted to what the, they were always asking me, hey Derek, can you give us a Memphis spot? So I would give the Memphis spots to my match. And then they would have the other stuff to you know, I would add what I had and then they would add what they had. It was easy to work there, but it was also like, okay, we're all working together to make this work one match. But as far as chops, the heck with chops. I don't like them. <laughs> I don't know many people who do like them. I, have, I do throw them a time or two, but uh, it, that's just me being mean or whatever to the guys in the ring or whatever, <laughs> just mess with the guys in the ring. But other than that, to me, they make no sense. I don't right. understand what the chop means. I never and really the only person who gets recognition from that is Ric Flair, and everybody woos, and Ric Flair's not there. So right.
0: <laughs> I remember hearing other wrestlers talk about the most brutal chop they've ever had was Tojo Tojo Yamamoto. And you know, that's right. the older. Yeah, but his chops
1: guys. never looked that they never looked that brutal though, but I'm sure they were. They never looked brutal, but I'm sure they were. I mean, I was unfortunately I didn't get to meet JoJo Young Mote, but I'm sure his chops were right on point.
2: Yeah, now circling back and this will probably be one of the last OVW questions, but circling back at that mm-hmm. show, we were able to get in the ring, and it was the first time I'd ever been in a ring before in my life. We look up and we're sitting there and we're hitting we're doing the punches and we're bouncing off the ropes and everything probably looked horrible and we look up and there's al snow mcfoley kane less less thatcher, thatcher uh, freaking uh, D'Lo uh brown
0: it one uh, stan lane was standing there watching us it was it was horrifying
2: yeah and so i go to do like for some reason my six foot three three hundred pound at the time butt goes to do a drop kick not knowing how to do it and land on my side. And I guess that was what it took for Rico Constantino to just bust in the ring and go, hey, guys, <laughs> he let me show you something. The ring. Yeah, he, That's let, what let, happened. Let me just give you all a little uh, training session here for free. Did you ever get a chance to meet Rico? And, and what kind of type of guy was he?
1: I have met Rico. I've wrestled Rico. I've been on road trips for Rico. Uh, Rico was a, a cop in Las Vegas. And uh, then he did the American Gladiator thing um, and won that, I think. And uh, seriously, Super nice guy. Yes, probably better for the too much for this business for sure. Yeah. Um, easy to work with. Knew his craft. You know, it could do anything. I mean, and he was older than all of them. I mean, he was a lot older than everybody, but could do. Still looked at, looked in great shape. Can do. You name it, he could do it.
0: Well, that segues into my my question. Any place you go, there's always a resident badass. And at right. your time in OVW, who would you say was that guy? As far as if he gets in the ring, he's the best, and and promos and all that. I remember hearing, you know, several guys in the back say, Rico is a natural. He has everything on his side, but age.
1: Right. You know. But you know, here's the thing, because I, I can't name it to one person because OVW at the time was so talented. I mean, seriously. You. I mean, you realize that the crop of guys you're talking about: Cena, Orton, right. Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin. I mean, Batista. You had everybody who's a star, that's a star. Working there, I mean, John Cena could do promos, and he can do them backwards. You know, like he can just right. repeat them backwards. And uh, I mean, there's just uh, so much—I uh, can't even you know—how the talent worked. Was I a lucky kid to be there? Absolutely, and uh, just enjoying enjoying that time. But I mean, those guys were all legitimately the guys that can go and work, but we all wanted to work there. That's the difference. We all wanted to work. This is where I knock our business today. They want it for themselves. We wanted to make it somewhere, but we wanted it for the company also. Now everybody wants to go, well, what did I do tonight? What did I? It didn't matter win, lose, or draw. It didn't matter. If, I'm just saying if we can make somebody else better tonight, you know, that night, and that's what our job was. If I could write a book on why we shouldn't be wrestling today, it would be called Why We Shouldn't Be Wrestling Today because we shouldn't. <laughs> because nobody wants it anymore. They want the glory, fortune and glory, instead of the uh, – the fact that the business has to live on after them, they and, want to and so the, you know, they don't want to be ahead.
2: the spoke in the wheel. They want to be the wheel that keeps turning. And We all
1: are the spoke in right. the wheel. There's nobody. The only wheel is Vance at this moment. Right. There, you know that there's no. There's no other spoke. I mean, you all are spokes. And like I always <laughs> look at the thing with with. Uh, I, I tell people that he's like, oh, you guys should have passed the torch a little longer, a little year, oh, a couple years earlier, and then we could have a generation.
2: <laughs> what did he say? You know, but <laughs> well, I
1: get it, but, you know, they get, you know, they, but they felt like they were better off holding the keys to the, the castle. Right. And I get it, but now the castle's shaky. Now we're wondering about if it's going to be a castle, you right, know. You WCW know.
2: did the same thing. They ran that NWO angle into the ground because it was still selling. So why change it if it's not broke and then they ended up not having anything?
1: Their main job, and Eric Bischoff will say this, and I've never met Eric, but, I mean, Eric Bischoff will say, that you know, he was consumed with trying to run Vince McMahon out of business. When you're trying to run somebody else out of business, you're never going to get any business of your own. That's just the way the I mean, if I'm so consumed in making somebody else a bad guy, I'm always going to be the bad guy no matter what.
2: You brought him up just a minute ago. I don't know if it was you or somebody else in the locker room one time talking about – you did a WWE uh, event. I don't know if it was a, a house show or a live event or what it was, but you were sitting there with Shelton Benjamin, catching up with him, and The Undertaker walks in. And at the time, yes. he had just become the gold standard. Do you remember that story at all? Mm-hmm. Do you mind telling it?
1: <laughs> Excuse me, not long. That was an adult beverage. Um, <laughs> I, I don't mind telling it at all. Here's the thing. We were in Memphis, and um, I had blonde hair, and Shelton had Von hair. So obviously I'm the extra on the show and Sheldon and I have known each other from OBW. Right. And just for FYI, Sheldon was it's on his Twitter page that he got his blonde hair from Derek King. But uh, we're sitting there and uh I walk in or well, I walk in and him and Undertaker are talking and then Undertaker looks at him and, and looks at me and he goes, Okay, who had it first? <laughs> And Sheldon goes, well, he had it first. That's kind of where I got the idea from. And So, like, that was my breaking the ice with The Undertaker. I mean, that was the only conversation I really had with The Undertaker. But (laughs) if that's the only one I can have with him, it was on a positive note. So, I'm good good on that.
2: Right. Well, now, was there anybody like The Undertaker that you were intimidated, uh, like, in the back, like you saw him? Like, as wrestlers, we sometimes get those butterflies when we see somebody that we've seen on TV before, like, when we were younger. But... When you walk into a room and Taker comes up and starts talking to you, do you kind of mark out just a little bit?
1: Oh, I, I, I you, could, I like the the phrase "mark out," but I'm intimidated intimidated by them all because they're there. But then again, like I, I was, the most recent thing that I ever did, I was there a couple years ago, right? And I was walking, and this is where I didn't have my cell phone or nothing, which is at the moment I wish I would have had this picture. And Cena walked right, he goes, Derek King, only in Memphis did I see Derek King. Big hug and all this stuff. So like I mean, but I knew John Cena when he was the prototype. You know what I'm saying? Like, but this is, he was still the nice guy to me. Like, we're still riding. I, I was, me and Stan Lee were on the road with John Cena, Nick, and Tajiri right before we went to Puerto Rico. But it was still like, it was so natural for us to be like, okay, so easy. And I was like, I should have a picture of this. But it's not about me posting a picture on Facebook or posting a picture on Twitter. That memory for me was enough. I was like, he still remember who I am. He didn't forget that, you know, I was there when he was not John Cena. Right.
0: What was Puerto uh, Rico Puerto, like as far as like, was it a culture shock or business as usual?
1: It was a culture shock. They liked to bleed there. Uh, of course, they thought me and Stan were uh, dating each other. I'm sure. They thought that, of course, i for that a thousand times, but uh, they thought that, <laughs> and um, if I could write a book on that, uh, they, <laughs> I, I won't write one. Anyway, they uh, best time, they, were super nice. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were super nice to us, but right. it was a different way of learning. They uh, nothing started on time, nothing ever ended on time. We would be at the at two o'clock in the morning. I go, what are we doing? <laughs> I'll take like a chop
2: if we could just leave right now. I'll take a chop. Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> first time I was there, I wore a uh, slack and nice black shirt, you know, like dressing up for the show, whatever. A kid threw cheese dip all over me. I go, what in <laughs> the hell am I doing here? Well, we I go, that's over- when I knew I could not last here long. But we were there for three months, so
2: we we overprepared for the peak gas interview. So I, you know, I, you brought up Puerto Rico. He talked about going down there, and he said sometimes mm-hmm. the fans would take uh, a pair of pliers and they would take pennies and they would take a lighter and hold them under the pennies, and then once they got them to where they were almost like red hot. They would take them and throw them with the pliers at the wrestlers just to, like, right. hit them with this is
1: it. Why her, this is why Hurricanes hit Puerto Rico. This is why. <laughs> this is why. Karma is, is, is what happens. Because they're mean people. Don't get me wrong. They were super nice to us. But when you're a bad guy there, those people are fierce, throwing batteries, throwing rods. Cups of I mean, piss. they were throwing stuff. I go, like, oh, what are you throwing at us? I go, you're not allowed to throw anything in a, in a America like a, they're Americans, but like in on the stage, you're not allowed to throw stuff because you'd be ejected. No, no, no. More yeah. power to them. Throw it all. I'm like, yeah. are you serious?
2: Pete talked about and we were bullet. the
1: Americans because we just made fun of them. I mean, we just made fun. Of, we just made fun of them not speaking English. We made fun of them. You know, their food. We made fun of you know. We did all that <laughs> stuff. Of course, we went to you know the the typical Memphis route, but it was um. I remember Eddie Cologne coming to me. Uh, he goes, you guys don't do nothing. I go, right, because we're healed. We don't have to do nothing. We are the guys that are screwing them up. They can bump us around and take all their moves, but then we beat them with something Southern. You know, we don't have to do anything to them. We don't have to do a million moves. Right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm already here as a wrestler. What do you, you know I can work, so what do you want me to do? I'm like, we don't want ooh-ah, because we get to the ooh-ah fashion, then we lose yay boots. So, I mean, I think that ooh-ah is, ooh-ah is a hard thing to do because you can't ooh-ah everybody for every, forever, forever. Let's just take this for instance. Mankind going off the uh, hell in the cell. Now what? Nobody right. has an answer. That's exactly because right. <laughs> right. what do you do next? Right. So now we need yay, boo, because they can boo a bad guy, hear a good guy. But when you set the standards so high, like, oh, my God, can't top that? You're right, we can't top that. I mean, we're, we're, we're only monkeys in a circus, so to speak, and then and when they, they're sick of throwing coins at us. and like, What do you want? Well, here's what I want to ask average wrestling fan. What can you do? But, you know, there's never an answer for that either. Right, So, no. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> just it, 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 it's just an insane. It, it's insane to think about, but it, it makes me so angry to go, everybody wants you to do something for nothing.
2: Well, you and brought up can't do
1: nothing for something, <laughs> right?
2: You brought up the Mick Foley coming off the cage at the Hell in a Cell with Taker. That whole thing started as a joke with Foley and uh, Terry Funk. They were like, they were watching the match back, and Funk goes, "Geez, Foley, what are you going to do to top that? What are you going to do to top falling off the cage like Michaels did?" And and they joked around. Well, maybe I'll go up there and he'll just throw me off, and then I'll get back up and he'll throw me off again. And which will just, never, which will never
1: happen again. By the way,
2: no, not at all. And you know that was one of the things we actually talked to Picas about. You know Shane coming off the top of the cage, and that one was almost as stiff, if not worse, for them Foleys, because they that airbag they had under there, there was no give. So the guy was landing on a a hard surface that was padded, but a hard surface that had an airbag under it. There was really no give there, and it's amazing that people don't die doing that type of thing.
1: Well, here's the thing. The stunts are all, they're called stunts. That's what they call them now. Right. But now we know how they all work. Right. And that's what ruins it. I uh, listened to Melter earlier on uh, Dustin and Cerrito's uh, show. The thing is cheap luck. Anyway. Um, it's a good show. Life. It's a good show. Way, I, show. I, I'll, I'll be in life. trend tonight. But, uh, you
2: know, we we but can't this, promote that.
1: Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> paper. Anyway, uh, I would just tell you that the... Um, the idea is you do all that and, you know, you, you smarten the people up. Now they know how it works. Go to a, somebody went to a show for David Carver for the cause there. And of course he tells you how the tricks work because he wants it good for television, but it ruins it. Why would you tell anybody? Do you give what I saying? Like you, you we, we ruining things for people that they can enjoy and go, okay. Because I often say to people, is Superman real? Because these Marvel Comics and DC comic things, these people are going crazy. There's, a, there's Comic-Cons for this. Right. These people are not real people. They're not. They're <laughs> not real. What does Superman really look like? <laughs> I mean, who is he? What would you say <laughs>
0: is the greatest rib that you've either been a part of or had the pleasure just to sit back and watch unfold?
1: That's funny because I don't know because I probably wasn't better than a lot of ribs. I don't. I don't know cuz ribs kind of fell out of those kind of um out of the way when I was in there. Nobody really did any many ribs. I mean, well they were just jokes and nobody, you know, nothing ever big ever came out of anything. It's uh we don't have any legendary stories like the the, the uh older guys would have like somebody losing their hair or losing, a, you know, a 1000 dollar check or you know something like that or you <laughs> no know we, we don't house? have anything. No Yeah, right, not. <laughs> Uh, Chase. He was good about drawing on people's faces. Uh, but no eyebrows <laughs> lost. Uh, and <laughs> not not much of a. I can't. I mean, I hate to say that I don't have any stories I just I just don't because we never really. I we, the most thing was probably drawing on people's faces or something like that. Other than that, we never. Uh, I don't know. We, I think we were too busy partying.
0: <laughs> not hey, why not? Why not?
1: You ran
2: Ripley, Tennessee, for a little while. Well, for a long while. Yeah. There's a story that I'd like to bring up right here. Is like. The first time hey, that... Be,
1: be, before before you say that, I just want to let everybody know. I beat Brock Lesnar. <laughs> you know. Anyway, go ahead. Yes. Well, me <laughs> and
0: Richard were talking earlier. Was it Chris Michaels that was your partner in
1: that? No, it was Jason Lee. Jason Lee? And, um, Jason, Lee? Jason Lee against uh, Brock Lesnar and, and Sheldon Benjamin okay. And Charmel, which is Booker T's wife, gave me the purse. I hit Brock in the face. One, two, three. Derek King beat Brock Lesnar.
2: Was there anything in the purse, or was it just a purse?
1: It's a loaded purse. Bro. Oh, a loaded, loaded purse. Gucci bag. I was going to say, like that's a...
2: Derek's pretty hard. You've got to
1: tap it first on the, on the mat to make it work. <laughs> like the loaded boot, you got to stomp really <laughs> good. you got to tap it. Uh,
0: it has metal
2: <laughs> go ahead with the course. I'm you. sorry. Oh, no, 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 that, that, right, we had Dustin Starr on our show not too long ago. And he brought up uh-huh. a rib, speaking of ribs, he brought up a rib he pulled on you guys just on the fly, and it involved a police officer. Do you remember anything about that?
1: I'm trying to remember. Go ahead and enlighten me, please. Um,
2: he got pulled over. He was riding with you and a few others. I think he said Johnny Dotson might have been there. Yeah. He got pulled over. They talked to him for a little while, and he convinced the cop to play a rib on you guys to say that he was getting arrested and the car was getting towed.
1: He, he, and I I wish I could enlighten you on this. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> well, his take on it. And there's probably a good thing I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, his take on
2: it that you guys were there. Cop came and told you guys that you had to leave the car because it was going to get towed. He was taken. He was going to be taken to jail. And Dustin said the first thing you did was instead of you know calling to see who you needed to call to get him out, you were calling people to get somebody to pick you up. Because oh, well that was
1: probably true That was probably 100% true Because I, I, I'm not going to jail for nobody <laughs> well, That's crazy, that
2: is crazy When you were running Ripley uh, This is a uh-huh. funny story I always like to think about And then we'll head out, man But when you were running Ripley And you brought me and Miles in uh, You put us in the ring with uh, some guys at one time I don't think I've ever seen these guys before oh, yeah. Since or you know ever before then and they looked like they were in jeans. They might have just been fans. And you give me and Miles this pep talk, and you're like, guys, go out there and lay your shit in. Just lay it in. Oh, I don't want anything to look right. bad. I want it to look great. So we go out there, and we, you know, we, we, we lost that night. It was like a slip under. We, the guy rolls us up while we're not paying attention. But for, for like 10 minutes, we just beat on these guys and beat on these guys and beat on these guys. We get back to the back. And you look at you look at me and Miles and you go, Jesus guys, why were you so stiff? <laughs> and and I, I remember looking at Miles, I was like, Well, welcome
1: to TLCW. <laughs> we do not know what yeah, to I, do. I was probably having a moment of going, uh, do this and don't do this at the same time. <laughs> right. Well, I mean.
2: That brings me to my last question. You know, you were like I I re- I retired like five years ago. You were like my last competitive match, and I booked you on the show just because mm-hmm. that reason. I wanted you to be my last competitive match. Now, I, I you know, I've had a couple. That. I've had a couple matches since then. Um, you know, we don't stay retired forever, right? Um, so, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, right. Bunch, known, so <laughs> I mean, there's some people that we're even talking to now that are trying to chase his record of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, <babe.
1: laughs>
2: So you know. I, you know, for some reason, I was running that show, and I was like, Look, I want to work Derek as my last match. And I knew I had a kid on the way. I knew this was it. You know, I was done. Uh, and I think I did that because I'd always looked up to you. I'd always wanted to, you know, impress you or have something to where you just like, you know, good job, man. I, I loved that. That was almost more, worth more to me when we were wrestling for you and Ripley than anything was to hear that good job. And there were, times, there were times where I felt like, and I've talked to Dustin about this when we was working like 10 years ago. I told him, I was like, I don't know if Derek even likes me. And, you know, while I've got this platform, what was your first thoughts when me and Miles first came into the, the territory? What was your thoughts on us? And you can be as honest as you want to, because like I said, I'm well, retired oh, now.
1: I would say, just two big guys that I wanted to mold, and that's the truth. Because I knew how you guys already kind of felt how it should be. But I want to have a helping hand in making it different. I never looked at it uh like I'm trying to be mean to you guys or anything like that no, no, but I no. just looked at it i I just want you guys to learn my way but I never my first impression was i, I just like okay, we got two big guys what we're we gonna do with them and you know Stan was there for a lot of that and uh so I'm like, okay what are we doing how do how, how do we uh how do we get these guys to where we need them to be at so it wasn't like I looked at it like oh my god, here we go but Obviously, I wanted to help, but you know, because you were working for me, so I wanted to help. (laughs) But I also wanted—I wanted to be good. I never had a—I never had a uh, impression at first. I never give that. And here's another thing: I don't do. I don't give a first impression. I don't look at it like that because the book may not be the same as the cover. You never judge a book by its cover because you never know. Because I was like, okay, listen. And then we push you. We push both you. We push you. Yeah, I wanted to figure out the knack of what we were going to get out of these guys instead of going. Well, this match was not this, and this is what we need to do here. To, let me see the end result, and then we can go from there. I wanted
2: to say thanks first off, because like I said, there were times where I didn't know where I stood, but I knew when you came up to me and told me, "Hey, you need to do this more." You got you got on my butt, and I appreciated that because you're taking the time to teach me what I'm doing wrong. And if I'm doing something wrong and you don't tell me, then I'm just gonna I'm gonna drown. So I want to say thanks, and like I said, I'm not the only one that you've ever helped out. You've helped out a lot of people, and dude, you know, if you want to come back and retire and come back, no one's going to have a problem because you give back to the, the company. You give back to the wrestlers, and I think all of them appreciate it, but man, we're not going to hold you up. Uh, we know you got places to be. Right, let, let, me,
1: let me say that. I do appreciate those words. I really do. Thank you very much for saying that. Thank you.
2: No problem, man. But like I said, you know, anytime you want to come back on, you got something to plug. Do you have any shows coming well, up? Any events? Well, it
1: on, on the, the 30th. So we'll have a big show in, uh, Bay, Arkansas, which is not far from Jonesboro with uh future hall of famer, double J Jeff Jarrett will nice. be there. Wow. And, uh, I think the next day he's having a – we're trying to work on a seminar for him the next day, you know, all that kind of stuff. So those wrestlers who listen and all that kind of stuff, they can yeah. always get involved in the, the seminar. But um, Jeff Jarrett's coming. And uh, as for me, uh, doing anything else, I pop up everywhere. So you never know. It depends on what my, well, what my wife said that week. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I,
2: I, I'm, working on, I'm working on the honeydew schedule
1: cool deal man well we're
2: gonna have you back on sometime to talk about wrestling with death and all that stuff we didn't get to everything but man derek we appreciate you being on p3 radio today hopefully we'll see you down the road pretty soon
1: all right well i'm ready to come back just let me know he speaks fluent klingon backwards the best story he's ever told was to himself of the two women he's slept with in his life one fell asleep, the other thought he was someone else. Dogs take him for walks. He is the world's most semi-interesting man.
2: I don't often smoke, but when I do, I only choose Vista Vapors.
1: Visit them today at tinyurl.com
2: p3vista. Keep it flavorful, my friends.
0: sound of that song means that we have come to an end to this podcast, but we'd like to thank Derek King for being on our show and we hope he'll be back for some more conversation.
2: Yeah, it was really good catching up with Derek, and like you said hopefully we'll have him back soon. Well, we'd like to thank everyone for listening to P3 Radio again this week. Join us next week, same time, same station, same podcast, whatever. However you heard us this week, just listen to us there again next week, but
0: You better come back.
2: Yeah, we know. We We know who you are. We know who's not listening. And we're
0: going to check up on you.
2: No weeks off. So
0: you better understand that.
2: But thanks again for listening. (laughs) For Josh Josh Broly, I'm Richard Mulliken saying thanks again and good night.